Welcome to Fable and the Verbivore. I'm Fable, Beth Stedman. And I'm the Verbivore, Laura Johnson. And this is a podcast for writers who read, readers who write, and, and everyone, everyone who, who loves, loves words. All right, so <laughs> last week we talked about alpha males, and today we are continuing that conversation and that look into the archetypes of love interests that we often love, particularly in romances. And we're going to look at morally gray characters. And so these two often go hand in hand, although not yeah. always. And people often kind of equate them together, yes. sometimes um, maybe wrongly. Yeah. So today we're talking about morally gray. <laughs> and it just makes me think of that little Instagram song. <laughs> I don't know if I've heard this. <laughs> okay, I'm definitely not going to sing it. <laughs> it's just this little like... I love it. We're going to have to find it and put it on. Yes, there you go. Well, and that's what I love about even just these archetypes is there's so much on TikTok and memes and it just is so much fun Mm -hmm. to talk about, explore, and think about what it is we like and what, why we connect and kind of what's there. Yeah. So do you have words for us to describe this or a definition? I, I do... Kind of. So it's kind of more a little, like, phrases. So usually with um, morally gray characters, and I I like to think of it as, like, if there's a good versus evil Mm -hmm. spectrum, Mm -hmm. they play along it. So they can step foot into what we would consider within a code of conduct to be evil, to be good, they kind of have their own code. Yes. They they follow what they believe to be right. Yeah. And usually they have their own like rules or what their they own want. Code. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Sometimes they just don't pay attention to them at all because mm-hmm. their whatever their mission in life is so like to them all compelling. Exactly. <laughs> all compelling. They have conviction over yeah. it and they're willing to do whatever they need to in order to do that. Yeah. Loki, we talked about Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, and usually it's kind of sometimes it could even be like the necessary evil or the mm-hmm. ends justifying yeah. the means. Often they have very human flaws that we can relate to. Yeah. So they kind of we can appreciate why they make the choices that they do. It's all based in like how they view the world. Yeah. And usually their set of rules or code is very different than everyone else, including yeah. us, the reader. Yeah. And often that's very purposeful. They do what we would consider to be objectively bad things mm-hmm. and good things. They don't operate on that good versus evil dichotomy they don't even think in that way yeah. that's not how they see the world they're often very complicated there's often very blurry lines with yes. them and sometimes you're like i don't even know if this is good or bad but it feels yeah. uncomfortable like it can yeah. just be in this squishy space yes and then often they just are consistent within whatever that kind of code of conduct yeah. is for them I think that's a really good point that you bring up that consistency because mm-hmm. I think the thing that's really important with these characters, both as as you're writing them and also like the way to get your reader to keep reading, them, yes. is that they have to still feel like there is a clear driving why. 
Yes. And like there needs to be that motivation needs to be really clear so that we understand those choices because they're going to cross lines and they're yes. going to do things that are like, and, and the only way to make that work, I feel like is you have to know why they're doing it. Um, and if the reader can understand why they're doing it, we will go along with them for all Absolutely. kinds of things. Absolutely. And that's what keeps yes. them consistent. You know, like that yes. why keeps them consistent because you know, they're after this thing. And so then if they're going to get that thing by being doing something good, then they'll do something good. If they're going to get it yes. by doing something bad, then they'll do something bad. Absolutely. And I think looking at it also from that, there's the like chaotic neutral yes. that we talk about. And I think that that's really helpful to think of it is yeah. that it isn't good. It isn't evil. It's in that neutral place of like yeah. that is un you know, it's unconvincing to them if yeah. you gave a moral argument that looks at it from that dichotomy. Yeah. And and I think it really kind of, especially like things like where the ends justify the means, yes. there's a really great, there's a really great line in The Dark Knight and I was sitting with it that's um, one of the characters, I think it's Alfred, is talking to Batman and he's saying that, he's talking about the Joker and he's like, I... I'm sug- something about I'm suggesting that he is not someone that you can understand. Mm-hmm. Basically, that you apply your own very specific code to this person, uh-huh. and you cannot understand him because he is not acting within, not within that, code. that yeah. code, that set of rules. Mm-hmm. Which Batman is actually morally gray when you mm-hmm. compare him to other yeah. superheroes. And I, I think when we sit with that, where it's Figuring out, like, in the course of a story, what is their code? code? Yeah. What is it that they are acting and 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 all of that? Yeah. Yeah. And I found this really great article that was saying, you know, in order to write a good, morally great character, you need to know basically four things. You need to know what their mission is, their Mm -hmm. life's mission, what's kind of driving that. Yeah. Um, How far they're willing to go, like, Mm -hmm. identifying that, even if they... Even, even if they cross one line, extreme? they might have another line. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Like, what is that line for them? Even uh, if it's not the same line we would have. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I think looking at that also, that it may not be the same line we would have. I love that yeah. because their lines just may be different. Yeah. And then what are their core values? So they have to have something that yeah. is dictating their actions. What are those values? Yeah. And then... What role do they play in the story? Identifying if they're, you know, there to be a foil, if they're there to be even, like, the anti-hero. Yeah. Who are you wanting them to be so that then you can fit them within the story that you want to tell? And how even how much much space you give to all of their backstory of how they got there, to figuring out their moral code. Because... They might be a side character, yeah. but they might be your main character. Mm-hmm. Especially when they're love interests, like, you know, yes. kind of like we're talking about this month. Like, you really need, you need to really think intentionally about, I love those questions. I think they're so good. And about how you can show them on the page. Yes. Like, one of the um, most morally great characters I've read recently is uh, in Noctocadia by Carrie Lake. I'm not sure I'm saying that right, but that's how I say it. It sounds good. Noctocadia. <laughs> Fun to say, um, but he's a fascinating character because he does, and this isn't giving anything away. And in mm-hmm. the first scene, you see him; he basically kidnaps someone, and you know he's going to kill this person. Yeah. Um, but she does a really great job showing us the, 
why, like a very clear reason why he's doing it, which we can understand even if we don't agree with her yes. tickets, right? Like we understand it. She has very clear, like a very clear objective. She does a really good job like showing throughout that first part of the book his how he got there like the his past his backstory the things mm. that like made him that way and she does a great job showing his line because at some point in the in the progression of the book he like this guy he's going to kill at the very in the first scene um you know that this guy is not a very good guy he yeah. abused his family he you know like and at some point he needs another victim yeah, I'm going to say victim. Because, because <laughs> reasons. Yeah. yeah. I, this isn't giving anything away either, yeah. but he's doing an experiment. He needs another human person for this experiment. Yeah. And so he goes and picks up a prostitute and doesn't... Spoilers. <laughs> he doesn't use her. He ends up like yeah. picking her up and then kicking her out of the car because he can't do it. Like It's too far yeah. beyond his line. Like She is innocent. She yes. didn't do anything wrong to get to this place. And so you see really clearly like that's his line. Like I'll kill someone if they deserve it for him. Yes. You know, like That's his rationale. And so he has this very clear rationale of what qualifies as someone it's a, he's allowed to kill yes. <laughs> and what qualifies as someone he's not allowed to kill. And she shows that on the page. And I think with these characters in particular, I would often recommend people to have at least some chapters in their point of view because so yeah. many of these questions you can't answer outside of their point of view, at least not easily, like without it feeling contrived because yeah. we need to know why. We need to know some of their backstory. We need to Absolutely. know like where their lines are. And you could try to have them communicate that in dialogue, but so often that's going to end up feeling forced or contrived yeah. or, or you know, like manipulative. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it can sometimes work, but really, like these characters are fun to be in their heads too. Yes. Like they're fun to read. Like, absolutely. You know, this is Dexter and like all those things. We yeah. we want to see what's going on in their thinking. Absolutely. Uh, and can I? I think this entire book is a great study of morally gray worlds as well as characters. Mm. Um, Six of Crows and oh, Crooked yeah. Kingdom by Lee Bardugo. Cass is a great morally gray. Absolutely. With a little bit of cinnamon roll in there. I love it. But it's still great. He, he is like the classic burnt cinnamon roll. Yes. And I'm like, I love you. We need oh, to protect you. <laughs> but what's great about it is... Even though we could say that probably all the crows, in one oh, way yeah. or another, maybe except for Matthias and maybe Wylan, yeah. they are all very great, yes. but with very distinctive and different codes. lines, yeah, codes. Lines. I mean, we could say Anaj is has a very strong code that's very different than Kaz's, yes. <laughs> and sometimes that leads to very mm-hmm. interesting conflict, especially because she yeah. cares about him very specifically yeah. in very many ways. Yeah. And what I love is there's a part in it where she has, and I believe it's from Inez's perspective, Kaz do something that feels like it is a complete departure yeah. and crossing a line that we didn't even think he could do. Mm-hmm. And then we see it back around from his perspective and we're like, oh, oh. Okay, uh-huh. <laughs> like I get it now. Yeah, but she does such a great job of like pulling out that conflict where yeah. we Inej kind of is lost. Like she feels like she has lost him yeah. a bit, and we have too. Like we're like, how can mm-hmm. we come back from that? How can we still be on his side? But Magic what a great trick. thing to do yep. to your reader! Like absolutely, pull them in. <laughs> Break so their much yeah. conflict, so much like beautiful yes. forcing us to sit with all of that. Yeah. 
of the uncertainty of the why mm-hmm. and then magically bring it out. I just, I love that ability from perspective taking mm-hmm. to be able to do that, to be able yeah. to give us same story, but two di- very different perspectives, holding one back because that's the one that once we have that key piece, we'll understand it all. Yeah. But make us sit with it. Like, yeah, and yeah. I think she even made us sit a couple of chapters with it. There's so many places. I think that you have play to build that. some trust though first before oh, you can absolutely. do that. Absolutely. Because if you do that too early, then your reader will just discredit that character and not yeah. like them. Um, even what like even once you turn things around, they'll it they'll be instead an aspect of like, I don't trust you now because yeah. like I already framed this context for the character. I I think something I've been thinking about a lot about is like that. Readers create a um, picture yes. in their head of the character, of the world, of whatever. And if you break that picture and yeah. suddenly, you know, like this is why it's like if you don't describe a character in the beginning and then later you describe them, then the reader is going to be like, oh, wait, I didn't picture them with red yes, hair. <laughs> you know, absolutely. Like, it's the reason that you have to, the first time you introduce a yes. character, you have to describe them. Or the first time you introduce a setting, you have to describe it. Yes. But I think the same thing is true when you're building a personality of the character and what types of things they would do. That yes. first time sets the tone for like, okay, this is the type of character this is. And you can't just suddenly reverse that, even yes. if it's reversing it in a good way. If the reader's already formed an opinion of this character that's totally wrong so i feel like you have to kind of set that up yes and get the reader to believe that like okay this character is morally gray he might do some things i don't agree with but he usually has a reason and he's also really clever and like things like that which she does with kaz in that first introduction he lies yes (laughs) oh absolutely and she introduces that so then we know when we get to that place that we don't like we're like wait is this real is it not you sit with that tension so that she can then flip it around and it doesn't feel like a betrayal of trust from the author and instead Absolutely. feels like intrinsic to the character. Absolutely. And I think looking at that introduction of Kaz especially, yeah. like if someone wanted to study a morally gray character oh, and how to so introduce good. them with their mm-hmm. minuteness, I think it's, we get so much yeah. in that. And we're, you know, Inej's point of view yeah. as she's looking and as she's hearing these things and then all of a sudden the piece of information that is yeah. withheld. Because, again, it looks like he's done a very terrible thing. Yeah. And then it's like... Yeah, it's almost like she does a yeah. microcosm of what she's going to do Absolutely. later. <laughs> like in that one scene. <laughs> right? Yeah. And I, I, think that's, I think that's amazing, too, is that we then have a seed of uncertainty already planted from what we've seen before. It's like, we want to, we want to trust, like we want him to be better than he appears to be (laughs) from the information that she's been given. And so we keep hoping, even though we're not certain. Yeah. And, and we keep wanting to like him. Yeah. There's, there's just so much at play there. And I love with so many, like there's a wonderful scene where like, someone is someone says like what did how was this money used and they all give different very terrible answers and Mateus is like you're all horrible and my ghost is not going to associate with your ghost when I die but they're they're in very different ways very gray and I think looking at those different characters of where their lines are I mean Wylan and Jesper have completely different moral codes than what they're willing to do then I love even that the world almost calls for it. Ketterdam yes. is this lawless place. Yeah. So, of course, everyone's going to have their own 
makeshift moral code to help them get mm. by. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point about how the setting and things can influence those codes and influence that character development, too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and do you mind if we kind of step back into Loki again yes. really quickly? Because what's interesting is Loki has been used so many different ways in so many different sure. stories. And I think, though, his introduction in Thor is actually so important for what he does later. Mm. Because if we hadn't seen what he does in Thor mm. and all the reasons behind it yeah. and see all that kind of that life mm. experience of him mm. we wouldn't we wouldn't care about him yeah. as he gets into the Avengers yeah and i think i think like noting one i think to be honest, the Avengers took him a little too far. Mm. Um, but we still stick with him, even yeah. though he's like trying to take over the Earth and he's willing to bring in... Even, yeah. I think, the fact that he fails so spectacularly in it... Makes you like it. And there's kind of that over and over again. The fact that he loses... Yeah. If he were to win... I think he would have lost us. Yeah. But he loses so many times, even like in Thor Ragnarok. Like yeah. we just have to sit There's with something like yeah. very relatable about that. Yeah. Like just feeling like everything you do fails. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like, oh, this poor guy. <laughs> <laughs> But I, th- I think with, like, you were talking about hope with Kaz, and I think Loki is similar in yeah. the way that we hope for him to be better than he yes. is. Because we get these little tastes of him. Yes. The possibility of him being better at various Absolutely. points. And I think that's really important with these morally gray characters is yes. that they are gray. Like, if yes. if they go too far to one side, then you lose that hope in the, in the reader. Yes. And the thing that really makes us, these characters, so compelling and makes us want to root for them yes. is that level of hope and that like will they be better will they not yes um and how can they be redeemed almost and and even if they aren't even if their arc is fairly yes. flat we still it still pulls us forward because yes. we want because we have to them. know yeah absolutely and i just finished reading i'm not going to give it away what happens in it but the ballad of songbirds and snakes mm-hmm. by um susan collins and I just find the fact that you sit with that book knowing this character and what the character ends up doing. Yeah. But there is so much to continue to hope for. Yeah. And you don't know what this specific version of the character is capable of. Yeah. And the character doesn't do all... Like, it's not a mustache twirling type of person. Like, yeah. he can go either way and he does and I think that is what makes it so compelling like Mm. he feels so human flawed there's reasons yeah and there's another character that also is kind of a little gray in it that you are pulled along with to find out what happens to that character but I do think that it's interesting that the character and his perspective holds mm. for as long as it does mm. and holds you there with hope. Yeah. Um, it is, to me, that's very fascinating. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I think these types of characters explore our own psychology yes. and like, where are our lines yes. and what would we do in these kinds of situations? Absolutely. And it's really compelling to look at that and to kind of see like, 
I think sometimes these characters can surprise us and we can yeah. be kind of like, oh, I can understand how they would get to that place. Absolutely. I don't know if I would or not, but I might. Like, yes. I can understand this reasoning. And, and I, I think, again, that's why it's so important to know their reason and their why and what they're, yes. you know, what they value and motivating them. Because then it lets, makes us sit with those things and like, okay, if that was my most important value or what I yes. wanted, like, would I do that too? Absolutely. It's uncomfortable, but in a like compelling way, in a way that pulls us into the story. Absolutely. Well, and interestingly enough, also, I think Mockingjay especially mm. has Katniss tipping certain toes into the gray yeah. here and there. And I think, again, the world is very gray and we yeah. can get why. Yeah. I think Peter is actually the moral compass in the thing. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like, and you do but, often have that contrast, you know, like you yeah. almost can't show what gray is sometimes unless you have something yes. opposite it. And so you do often see these characters that are paired with a more, more, a, a character that has a more stronger, stronger moral compass. Absolutely. You can then call them out and bring them to their knees. <laughs> well, and I think even to solidify what the moral code of the story yes. or the story world yes. is, yes. especially when it's in these dystopian places where... It might be, yeah. like, what is what is the objective yeah. moral code? Because we we think it's objective and then right. we carry it with us, but it really is very subjective and squishy. Well, and that's so, Six of Crows, too. Absolutely. You get this contrast, and yes. contrast makes us understand things. It makes yes. things clearer. Yes. So you get in that, like, in the whole group, each of them having their own moral code gives us that contrast, which makes the other person's moral code more clear and more yes. understandable. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I, I do think it then allows us to explore our own moral codes Absolutely, within yeah. it in a safe mm-hmm. environment that's kind of disconnected from yes. our everyday, which yes. is having that arm's length is also very helpful. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's great. Yes. Well, we hope that you enjoyed this episode. If you did, leave a review, let us know. And we hope that you keep reading and writing and putting your work out into the world.